I'm, I'm really excited about the series that we're doing in the book of First Peter. We're in the, going to be in the book of First Peter for the next few months and going through, uh, you know, little sections at a time. Uh, we're not going to get very far today either. So some weeks we may get really far and some weeks we may hit one or two, three verses. And this morning we're just going to hit a few verses. I don't think we're going to get past verse 5 today. We're gonna read, uh, I want to read to you First Peter um, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Um, three, four, and five. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Bless the time in the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Isn't that an amazing set of scriptures right there? We read through the Bible. You might have a a, a yearly Bible reading plan or a daily Bible reading plan where you're just trying to get through the Bible. You come to these, uh, you just, throughout the Bible, we typically will just read. Um, If you're reading the Bible in a year, you can read the entire Bible in a year in about 15 minutes of reading a day. That's it. And you can read the entire Bible every year. And so, but often what we do is we just kind of read right through. And, you know, you probably get three or four chapters done in a, in a reading time. And, and we just read that. But when we slow down the train, which is what I encourage you to do as you're doing your devotions, is to slow down the train and ask some questions and look at these closer. And that's what we want to do this morning and throughout the book of First Peter as we go through any of the books of the Bible when we go through them, is to slow down the train and talk about what it's saying and help us to understand. You know, last week we talked about a little bit of the background of First Peter. This was written around 64 AD. There was a lot of trials and tribulation happening against Christians. And um, uh, in two weeks from now, next week, again, make sure you tell something about Jason Friend. Uh, He's been a friend of mine for many years and inspired. And and, uh, Shannon and I, when we went to the mission field, because he was also on the missions, so he's going to come and bring a really powerful word. But in two weeks, we'll get back with the book of 1 Peter. And and I want you to come that week, even though we're going to talk about trials and tribulations and suffering. You know, but it's a good week to come because how many people have gone through some trials and tribulation and suffering in their life, right? You know, all the rest of you are liars, right? <laughs> you know, unless you, because you know, <laughs> that's just the way it is. We go through trials. So First Peter is, is written to the Christians really about the trials and the suffering that's happening and about to get much worse for them. And so he begins this wonderful letter, though, to the churches that are, that are up in the, in the north area, and it's to, written to Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, and the, the believers that are up there in the north of, of you know, way far away from uh, Israel, from Jerusalem, and he's encouraging them. And this first part, we're going to spend a, a good portion in just this first little section that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be. Sometimes we just pass right through that because the Bible is full of that. In, in the Hebrew, there's nearly 30, at least 30 times where, where it says, Baruch Adonai, blessed be God. Baruch Adonai. And here Peter, the, he's Jewish and he's saying the same blessing to them, but he's not just saying blessed be um, to God. He said blessed be the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And, and that means, and it's exuberant. These words are exuberant for him, much like the, the worship was this morning. Wasn't a wonderful time of singing in worship? 
Now, we don't have just, you know, worship and then preaching of the word. Really, the preaching of the word, the offering, everything is worship to God. This is part of our worship service. You know, our worship service starts at 9.30 and gets out whenever I feel like I'm done. And we're worshiping, and we're worshiping through different ways. And I, I pray that you can do more than just sing songs, but that you can worship. And I pray that, that as the teaching of the word happens, that you can worship that way and, and receive, but not just receive head knowledge, but be transformed by it and give praise and worship back to God because of it and through the word. So blessed be God. Peter is excited, and he's, ex- he's just really proclaiming God's praise. And that's one thing that we should all be doing all the time, giving God praise. But there's a specific reason he points out that I want us to be encouraged today of why he's praising God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy caused us has caused us to be born again. He causes us to be born again to a living hope. We should be praising God because of the gift of Jesus Christ, salvation, and that he actually caused us to be born again. You know, sometimes in, in, in uh, Christian circles, in evangelical search circles, we, we have this discussion. I've heard it many times and probably years ago used to partake in it. And then I realized that I was just being really silly. We talk to Christians and they say, well, I'm a Christian. And then the que- next question is, well, are you a born-again Christian? Right? There is no such thing as a not born-again Christian. Because you can't be a Christian unless you're born again. Bible says, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Now, they may not know that they've been born again, but if they're saved, they're born again. And, and, and notice in here in the book of 1 Peter, who is doing the work for being born again? Often I think we, we get this confused and we kind of think that God's lost because what do we say? I found God. Well, f- well great, I'm glad somebody did. I found God. No. God found you. He's like the holy hound of heaven. He's been seeking you your whole life. He sought me down, chased me down, pinned me to the ground until I finally said, Uncle. He loved us first, the Bible said. The Bible says that we did not love God first. He loved us and he gave his son for us. He caused us to be born again. We're not born again because one day we go, I've decided that I am going to be a Christian. God called you, sent his son to die for you, regenerated you by the Holy Spirit, allowed you to believe in him. All was that on God. We can't get the cart before the horse. He changed us. He wooed us, and finally we said, I finally get it. I'm yours. He caused us to be born again, not because of anything we did. The work is his. And I tell you, none of us deserved it. None of us deserved it. Some of you maybe grew up in a wonderful home and, and had a great moral, uh, moral life, and you really didn't find anything. You still didn't deserve salvation. Because you know that you were apart from God. You know the wickedness in your own heart. 
You know, it's, it's been hard. It's, I, we've, done, we've worked really hard to try to raise kids that, that love God and have a moral compass. And, and at, but at, at some point in our kids' life, we know that they have to come to their own decision to follow Jesus. When they were born, they were not born again. They were just born. And they grew up in a, in a home that had some rules and had things. And, and, you know, they've been decent kids. But it's amazing that I've heard my kids, as they've come to Christ on their own and made that decision, they start talking about their testimony of how rotten their thinking was and how bad they were. And I'm like, you were bad? But you know what happened? God showed them their sin. And they, they got a hold of him and went, wow, my thoughts, the things inside of me were evil and they were dark and I was away from God. And so I get that they've begun to come to Christ on their own. So it doesn't matter if you were raised in a good home, in a godly home. At some point, we all have to come to that place that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. And it's God who causes us to be born again, not us. And that's a reason for praise. That's the reason for praise. And, 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 you know, we all know how bad we were. Right? Amen? It's okay, everyone. You can say amen if you want. Every once in a while we can do that. Because that's an agreement thing. The word means so, so be it. We know our thought life. We know those things that we wouldn't tell anybody. Those, those quick moments that you have whatever that thought was. You know, whether it was, you know, to, to kill somebody. We've had them whether we entertain that thought of whether to have an affair or to steal something. We know the anger. We know our darkness. I'm not saying we're all these crazy dark people, but we've had these things, and we know them. And God saves us from our thoughts. He saves us and and cleanses us from our actions. He did the work. Talked to too many, so many people saying, I just, I just can't, I can't accept Christ because, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Yeah, but God can't receive me. God doesn't care what you've done. If you ask forgiveness, it's forgiven. I mean, he's he's the owner of the bank, and when you walk in and say, but I got a lot of debt, and the bank says, I don't know, here you go. It's paid. He says, well, but you know, it's a lot. I was looking online. You know the game Minecraft? Some of you got kids in a Minecraft. It's just stupid little, not stupid. <laughs> it's this little silly game. It's it only been around for a couple of years. The, the guy who invented it, I think it was, came out in 2012, I think. He is, uh, he's now, net worth is $1.3 billion. I'm in the wrong business, man. <laughs> $1.3 billion. I tried to help my son understand that, my little son, Zach, Sam. And I says, well, ba- basically... If he starts spending all of his money now and he lives to be 80, he can spend $58 a minute every minute of his life until he's 80 and he'll finally run out of money when he's 80. He says, well, that's a lot. He says, yeah, that's about $3,000 an hour, 24 hours a day. He's got some money. Who's, can you even wrap your mind around that kind of money? Now, don't check out with that. You know, when you come to somebody like that and says, hey, man, I owe a lot of money, and he says, that doesn't matter because there's no amount of money any of us could owe in this room that he wouldn't go, chump change. <laughs> That's your sin to God. He says, it's, it's chump change. My son's blood covers it all, every bit of it. But remember, it's not you who did it. It's God. God gave his only son. 
Blessed be God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Another version says abundant mercy. He has enough mercy for you. He has enough mercy for me. And we say, bless God because of his mercy, his kindness, his gentleness. He doesn't chastise. He doesn't reject us. He has mercy over us. How many of you have ever needed mercy in your life? And when you received it, you were so thankful. Even in simple things, man, I'm so sorry, boss. I forgot to lock the door last night. And you know what, in big things, I, I've done that. Forget to lock up the business. Some people say you're fired. But a boss with mercy says, you know, I, I forgive you. We've received mercy like that. God gives us mercy for our sin in our sinfulness. And he says, he has abundant mercy. So church, wherever you were, wherever you are today, in case you've never received his mercy, there is enough mercy for you. It's in abundance. Because of his great mercy for each of us, he caused us to be born again. You can't go to heaven unless you're born again and he calls you and that's being regenerated. You were regenerated. When, when, when Jesus had the conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 about this whole born again thing, it was the very first time we see it in the scriptures. And even today for some people they go, I've heard the term, what the heck does it mean? Nicodemus didn't know either and he was a ruler and a leader. And he, what do you mean born again? Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. He says, what am I supposed to do? Go into my mother's womb and be born again a second time when I'm old? I don't get it. And Jesus says, no, you be born of water and the spirit. And I want to tell you that the water he's talking about was not baptism. Because baptism doesn't save you. Some of you think that that's what the water was. Actually, it's a very simple thing. In just a couple of days, Marissa's going to have this happen to her. Her water is going to break. And the baby will be born of water. This is not that difficult. We're like, wow, really? You're born of water and the Spirit. He was trying to understand, listen, we were all born naturally. All of us, we came to life and it was just the natural birth, but you've got you to do that. We, we all qualify for that. We're all born naturally. I don't think any of you were created in some test tube somewhere. You were born naturally, and you have to be born again. And then he goes on, he says, and the the wind blows where it wants, and what is all that? In other words, Jesus, God calls you to be born again, and it's his work in our life that causes us to be regenerated. How can you tell if you've been born the first time? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone got, how can you tell that you were born? Give me a proof that you were born. You're, you're here. Yeah. I got a birth certificate over your hair. You know, the problem with the birth certificate is that it can be forged. Right? So, you know, my dad's birth certificate was wrong. And so he got into the, you know, merchant range when he's like 16 years old, supposedly, because his birth certificate was wrong. They could be forged. They could be wrong. That's not proof. Well, I got the little baby little footprint thing, and that's God. that was me. How do we know that was yours? Well, there's pictures of me. I can't tell the difference between babies. Is that really you? I'm here, and I'm alive. That's the proof that I was born. What's the proof that you were born again? Oh, I walked the aisle at the Billy Graham or the Greg Laurie crusade. I wrote it down in my Bible the day I said a prayer. How, 
that, that's not enough proof to be born the first time. It's not quite the right thing, right? Anyone can walk an aisle. Anyone can, can walk out. In fact, when we were in New York doing an outreach one time, it was really funny. This one guy, he comes to one of our crusades in, out of New York, and it, it was a black brother, and, and uh, it wasn't a brother at the time, and he comes, in, and this guy gets saved. I mean, he's weeping, and you know, and it was really neat. Well, we go to the next place, and one of the places, we were at Harlem. I mean, I stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> in Harlem. So we're in Harlem going door to door inviting people. We do this little crusade thing in Harlem and, and we give the altar call. And man, these guys aren't, t- you know, they just, I don't think they were listening to the little white guys. You know, I mean, they just, they're sitting there like this and, you know, but there's a lot of them out there. And all of a sudden I look up and there's the black brother who got saved at the last little thing we did. I mean, he, he went to, a, I forget where, we were, I think we were at Washington Square Park, the first one where he got saved. So he comes and was in Harlem and he stands up and he walks down front at the altar call time. I'm like, and I saw it before. I think it was real. And, and so did he get saved the first time or did he get saved the second time or did he get saved at all? I don't know. Now, what was really good when he walked down the second time, by him walking down, a whole bunch of people had the courage to stand up and walk down with him. Were they saved? I don't know. That's not proof. What's the proof? That God lives in you and your life has been regenerated. That's the proof. That's the proof. You can't, you know, do a prayer. Well, I got baptized. I did this. I stood on my head and sang kumbaya. (laughs) God came into my life and he regenerated me. I was born again. He does the work inside of us. And uh, many of us, many of our testimonies can can, uh, attain similar things. I used to do this and I remember I just stopped wanting to do it. You know that? And you go, wow, I just stopped wanting to do it. Or, or that, that time all of a sudden a, a word flew out of your mouth and you actually felt conviction over it. And you didn't feel shame. You just went, you know, I don't think God wants me to do that anymore. Something changed on the inside of you. Now, I, I get it. There's a lot of people who've changed because of the outside pressure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God comes and he saves us and he does something inside of us and there's a change in our life we love where we used to hate we have peace where we used to have worry and it's not something we've fake and it's not something we've done it's something that was done to us blessed be the god the father of our lord jesus christ because of his great mercy has caused us to be born again and offered into a living hope that's the reason for our praise and worship That's the reason for our celebration is that we are saved and that something changed in our life. Thank you. Amen. Amen. This is the greatest story of all is what God can do to mortal man and make us alive in him. And I tell you, all the, all the head knowledge that we, we get, and I've, I've met some people and heard, you know, just recently heard of this woman who was talking to another pastor and she showed him these notebooks. And she says, these, I got notebooks from every sermon I've ever heard and there's 34 years of sermon notes inside of it. And that's impressive. I mean, that's amazing. And yet, what does it mean? If a life isn't transformed and changed, it's just head knowledge. No matter how smart you are, no matter what conversations I've gotten into with people, it all adds up to nothing if 
God does not do the work in somebody's life and they become born again and God causes them to be born again. I've always said if I can talk somebody into being a Christian, and I've got some really good arguments. I mean, I've had some time at this. And I like to talk to people. And I like to kind of destroy their, their, their evidence and their logic of, you know, evolution and things. And it's, it's really fun for me. But I tell you, if I can talk somebody, convince somebody to be a Christian, there's somebody much smarter than me that convince them not to be a Christian. If That's just a mind thing. But when you've had your life changed and you become regenerated by the Holy Spirit because God caused you to be born again, ain't nobody going to talk you out of that. Because you said, I'm alive in Jesus. I don't even know everything. But I know that what happened to me, like the, the song says, I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You can't take that away from me. I've been born again. And church, we need to remind ourselves that we've been born again. So we give praise to God. Because we forget it too easy. And we allow the cares of the world to come in and we need to push those things off. I don't care what happens to me. I've been born again. God did a work in my life. And it wasn't about me looking for God. God was looking for me because he loved me so much. Ephesians 2.1 says that we were dead men walking. You who were once dead in your trespasses, dead in your sin, have been made alive in Christ. We saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness. No more in night. He regenerated us and made us alive. No wonder Peter says to them, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we're going to find out in two weeks that he's going on, and yeah, and man, you guys are having trials, and it's bummer time. Life is hard. There's a lot of difficulties in life, and we're going to find out. I'll just give you a little, little preview. He says that we are, we're kept, and it even says here, let's, let's just read on a little bit more. We were caused to be born again to a living hope. We have a hope that's alive. It's not a dead hope. It's alive. It's another, another possible translation is it's a lively hope. You know, you know, isn't that a great hope? I've had kind of not lively hopes, and they kind of look like this. I sure hope something changes. I don't know if I can go through any more of this. That's not a very lively hope. That's not a lively hope. That's like, oh, man, this, this doesn't change. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's the Christian Eeyore version, you know. I'm a Christian. No, we have a living hope. Now, there's some things in your life that, I mean, you know, there's just like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and really, you just don't know what's going to happen in this world. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about he brought you to a living hope. And it's not that your situation is necessarily going to change. It's not that things are going to look all rosy because you say a prayer and have a better life now. If this is the best, if we can attain the best life now, we're not saved. I can say it again. Let's sink in. Because you know, there's a book out there, and there's some good things in that book, but there's a book that says your best life now. Let me tell you, if you can achieve and walk in your best life now, you're not a Christian. Why? Because heaven is the best life. And if you can attain the best life of ever right here and right now, that means you're not going to heaven. Because no matter how good your life is here, the best life is yet to come. 
no more sorrow, no more pain, wipe away every tear. It's an inheritance that's coming. And here it says that this inheritance, you were made born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's alive. And he's alive shows and proves that we will also live with him. To an inheritance that is imperishable. Remember that new car that you had maybe? Some of you bought a new car. And you loved it. And then the sticky-fingered peanut butter kids got into it. And it was no longer lovely. And the sun faded the color. I'm, pa- I'm painting Karen Cumberland's house this last couple of weeks. And, and they, you know, just touching it up. And, and I got it. I don't know if you noticed this, Karen. I talked to Gail about it. And, they, and she gave me the can of paint to match the, the, the house. I did the trim already. I was doing the house. And I got that thing out there and I painted it. Man, that new paint, you know, that was the exact same paint of the house. It's beautiful. You know what I'm talking about. It looks nothing like the rest of the house. I'm like, how is this, this? I don't get it. Because that other paint is perishable. It gets dirty. It gets defiled, especially when your barbecue catches on fire. (laughs) And it turns everything a little black, and you're talking about a nice, light, bright, beige house. Everything on this earth is defilable. It perishes. It goes away, no matter how much you try to keep it going good. I look like I did when I was 20. (laughs) My face is defiling. It's perishing. Right? I mean, I've talked to a few of you, and you young people are going, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm never going to let my body go. It goes whether you want it to or not. And it goes to places you don't want it to go. I used to have a big chest. It just moved. (laughs) It's defilable. Everything is fading away. The things that we think are valuable here, they're not. Because they all go away. They all run out and get ruined. Every one of them. But the Bible says that our inheritance, our inheritance is imperishable undefiled and unfading. Wow. I've had some people come in my office. It's been a long time. It's none of you. And at some point, I think the conversation kind of went to, yeah, my, my parents, man, they're just spending all their money. And I went, I know what's going on inside of your head. <laughs> they're spending my inheritance! <laughs> Those are horrible thoughts that we've ha- we have. You don't know whether you're going to have an inheritance. You can't trust anything. You know, this is a really sad one, but sometimes, you know, later in life, maybe a, a dad whose mom, mom's died finds another woman, and all of a sudden all the money's gone. Yes. At like the last two years of life, and the kid's like, what happened? You know? Salvation is an inheritance that nobody else can spend. Salvation is an inheritance that cannot fade, cannot go away, it cannot be defiled. It's kept for you there, not here. You know, God, there's a lot of blessings of God that I've walked in and I can't believe His provision in my life, but it always hasn't been what I've wanted. It always hasn't been the amount that I've thought I needed. 
but it's always been his provision. My real inheritance is waiting for me. It's a living hope. It's waiting for me in heaven, undefiled, imperishable, kept in heaven for us. Who, for you, now listen, we've got to look at this verse. For you, your inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. God has got his hands on you, and he's not going to let you go. Stop trying to run away from him. You're kept in heaven, and you're guard, you are guarded by God. He loves you and he's not going to let you go. The Bible says neither height nor death, past nor presence, principalities, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You're guarded in him and your inheritance is safe. Through faith, you're guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Salvation is a really interesting thing. The moment that you finally stopped and allowed Christ to save you. And you said, I give up. I receive your gift for my sin. And the moment you did that in, in earnest and was true, because God knows, I'm never going to judge, but God knows and, you, and God knows more than you. You were saved. You were saved. You didn't have to do anything else. It was done. You were saved. You were regenerated. You were born again. The work was done. He did the work inside of you. Thank God that the Holy Spirit wooed you. He transformed you, and we were saved. But yet, we also know that there's a process of being saved, sanctified, that when you first got saved, it's not like everything went, wow, I'm never going to sin again. Wouldn't that be nice? Some of you the very next day found yourself eaten back at the pig trough, along with the head hog at the trough. <laughs> And you went, what am I doing back here? Yeah, I thought I was saved. You were. If you were, you were. You're saved. But then you find as you walk and you, and you allow God to transform you and you, you follow uh, Romans 12, 1, you're transformed and renewed by, the, you're renewed by the transforming of your mind and you begin to find this process of feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm still being saved. It's not over yet. There's still a work that God has to be done. Talk with some of the older saints that you think are perfect and they'll say, no, no, I finally realized it took me a long time that I ain't going to be done until I get to heaven. I ain't going to be done. He's done a lot in my life, but there's still a long way to go. I was saved. I'm being saved. But our salvation, full, complete, waits for us in heaven. It just, it's right there. It says, who by God's power, us, by God's power, we're being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When we finally get there, we're going to understand what real life is, what real, what, what the, the reason of our hope and what salvation is. It wasn't all this stuff down here. And all, we'll look back and we'll look at, oh, I can't believe how worried I was. I can't believe how upset I was that this happened and that happened. I'm in the presence of God. I'm finally fully healed and fully saved. And I don't have these struggles. And God wants to guard us and keep us marching towards that. And for that, we say, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who caused us to be born again to a living hope. Our hope is alive, and it's all done by him. Today, if you're in here listening to these words, and you go, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Today is the day. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Old things are gone. All things will become new today. 
If you've never done that, it's time to stop running. God's been calling you. He's been wooing you, and it's time to say, okay, I get it. I give up. I want to be saved. I want to receive all that work that you've done for me and walk in my salvation. And it can be done in a very simple way. You don't even have to get up from your chair. You just have to say, God, I'm a sinner. And there's nothing I can do to get my sin forgiven from me. But I know that the Bible says, the pastor said, and these other people have told me that you died for my sin, that God, you sent Jesus to die for my sin. That if I'd call upon you, I'd be saved. If I believe on you, if I repent from my sin, I'll be saved. God, forgive me. I want to walk away from my sin. I want to walk away from the old things and look to a living hope. And I want to be regenerated. I don't want to have these thoughts in this heart anymore. I want to be regenerated. I want to live and live to a living hope and get to be in heaven with you. So God, that's my prayer. If that's, that's you, I pray that you just pray that little simple prayer right now. God, forgive me. Regenerate me in the name of Jesus. I commit my life to you. All of us should be on a regular basis recommitting our lives and, and being like with Peter says, blessed be. Be the one who would praise God and give him thanks for what he has done for us. Our salvation church is secure. It's a living hope. Heavenly Father, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus. And we want to give you praise and glory, God. Praise and glory for sending Jesus to die for our sin. God, for pulling us out of the muck and the mire, for opening our eyes to a spiritual life and to cause us to be born again anew, to have God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, born to a living hope, changed by your grace and your abundant mercy in our life, God. And we want to give you praise. Cause us to, to not be worried and concerned about all the things that we're worried and concerned about, but cause us to give you praise and to say, blessed be God. You saved me. You called me. And I thank you. God, we want to commit our lives afresh to you each and every, every day. We need you. We can't do this without you. We thank you that you've given us Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to give us power in this world. And we look forward to the day when finally we'll be released from these chains of bondage that are still on us, these, these limitations that our flesh still have, and we'll be walking with you, receiving fully our inheritance in heaven. And until then, we put our faith in you, and we follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.